Welcome to the Conscious Blueprint audio experience. The Conscious Blueprint inspires people to create conscious brands and pursue their passions, where I talk to entrepreneurs and brand creatives about their processes, the lessons they learned, and how to make an impact. Welcome and enjoy the show. So hello, Helen, welcome to podcast. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me, Ricardo. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, So, okay. So for the people that don't know you, obviously you've been starting the Watson & Wolf brand in 2016, but yourself have been in the industry before that. So could you just speed us up to what was your experience before and where you're at now before you you advance more in deep into the to the company so we so my history is in um fashion luxury fashion so i was with the company aspinall of london for 10 years um as you know they produce um leather goods and so um i worked in um pretty much from the ground up there for 10 years and uh, after that, I worked for a menswear brand, an interiors company, and then I took a career break to have a family. So it's um, before starting Watson & Wolf. So pretty much my entire career was spent working in um, in leather goods. Mm. Okay. So what, what came about then your transition to, obviously you had a, a break to start a family. So how, how did you managed to think, okay, you were in the leather goods, how are you now going to the different direction, more conscious direction into the vegan uh, leather? It wasn't wasn't intended initially to be um, vegan or more sustainable or ethical, so I won't pretend that it was. Um, Mm -hmm. That wasn't my initial idea. So um, having a small family, I was quite keen not to have to go back to working in London or, you know, relying on before school clubs, nannies, all that sort of stuff, um, to get back to having a career. So, and I'd I'd had an idea to design a range of wallets for men that I would make in leather, uh, and I was developing that idea. Um, and the intention was to make in England to um, to really have an English brand to up to 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 get as many of the materials for that collection as we could from inside England. So we would, I, I took some time traveling to mills around the UK, looking at lining options, uh, leather supplies in England. And it was um, around the spring of 18, that 2018. And I was writing all the marketing material and looking at the design of the website. And it was around that sort of time that uh, I sort of had a, an epiphany really of, of you know, do this didn't feel quite right to me. Um, I didn't really have the passion that I thought I was going to have for it. And so I remember having a conversation on the telephone um, and, and, and sort of saying, okay, I think we, we should stop what we're doing and just restock where we're going, which direction we're going in. And that's when I searched Google like we all do to help find the answers to questions that we have and I typed in the leather industry and um, I came across an article about from a well-known journalist actually it might have been Sasha Camilli or somebody like that um, saying that you know leather the pollution the animal cruelty you know was that really the direction of the future for our planet and it was the first time that I had been posed with the with the question of, you know, is this material the right material for the future of the planet? And I had never considered that it wouldn't be, that it mm. wasn't, because I wasn't really aware at that point of, the, you know, the, 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 I suppose I knew the process. So I knew that leather was tanned. I knew it came from an animal. I wasn't naive about any of that, but I wasn't, um, I didn't understand the impact of those processes on a global level. And it was when I discovered those, those things that I decided that 
you know, it wasn't a material that we should be using if we were looking to be a brand that, or to build a company or to build a collection that was for the future, really, you know, and I'd started a family, Ricardo. So I was like, well, this is, you know, this is a, a business that's got to survive and be something my children can be proud of. And how can we do that if it's, if it involves huge levels of pollution and harm to animals and harm to people. And it, we, we saw, I sort of felt like I had a moral an obligation, obligation really to, 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 to do something that was more thoughtful and more conscious. Yes. That's the, the journey, isn't it? Um, when we finally have, well, you had an epiphany. So um, that someday, somehow we just face the facts and and like you said you use mr google to yes. <laughs> to find to confirm that suspicion that we some somehow came into our minds hearts because that's what it is basically it's 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 just a, a small awakening and they just oh okay right <laughs> okay but then you're just back to the beginning aren't you what do we do now you know you you obviously in your heart you know now it's not the right thing to do yes and then and then so then you're like well which direction do we go in what material should we use and we I never intended for us to be a vegan company mm. but what what established itself was that materials that we wanted to use that were more sustainable and were more ethically made were using a plant content um all happened to be vegan um and you know so so we are so we've had to begin we so we began as a vegan brand but actually we're for anybody who wants to be more conscious and make a more in you know more conscious decision about what they buy and we're very clear about um very transparent on our website about what materials we use and where things are manufactured because we believe that that is the right thing to do nothing should be hidden why should we hide anything we've nothing to hide we're not hiding like You know, lots of stuff in fashion is, is hidden for a reason, because if it was out there and people knew about it, they wouldn't buy it. You know, it's a bit like leather. Had I known historically about the levels of pollution, the harm to people, all of those things, would I have even begun the journey of starting a leather goods brand? Probably not, you know. So, um, and it's much like, you know, people understanding, you know, the amount of water used to build, to make cotton or versus organic cotton uh, and, and there are you know obviously many other materials out there which are hugely intensive on natural resources virgin polyester for example versus recycled polyester you know there's a huge disparity in the amount of resources required to recycle a plastic bottle and make a fiber versus creating a virgin material mm. and it's just you know they equally um have a problem with you know microplastics and things like that But which one is better? I mean, neither of them are ideal, but wouldn't you rather the one that took less water, less mm. energy and, and, and kicked out less CO2 than the one that didn't? Mm. So um, there are, we're not, I think we, there's a long way for us to go in terms of textiles and fashion until yes. we find materials which are, um, which, are the, which, are, which are the future, really, which are the ones we should all adopt all the fashion houses should be using them. The ones that use the least na the natural resources, the ones that don't kick off synthetic fibers that don't break down and things like that. And, mm. and I think there's, there's a lot we have to do to get to that point. But right yeah. now there's a sort of balance to be had, I think between longevity and customer value and the planet. Yeah. I think it's, we're all learning, aren't we? And, uh, and the thing is one of the issues, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> one of the issues that we're having now is the speed of things. It's gigantic, enormous industry of fashion. Because if you look back, and I'm sure you know this, at the uh, material that was used, the clothes in the 14th, 15th, 16th century, is natural fibers. The thing is, The process if, of, the, of clothes of such quality, they take time. Take and they time. cost more. And they cost more. So, yeah, because yeah. time in our world, time equals money, right? The, yeah. This concept that we created, both concepts, time and money. But um, 
So that is the thing we, we actually know, you know, deep down because it was there before we know what, but then it's like, how are you going to adapt that into the times that we're living? And there's huge industry that was created. And it's pop and it's population as well, isn't it? Because yes, you know, demand, you've yeah. got all of these people with all these demands and yeah. ultimately that's why the slow fashion revolution and and um, and the fashion revolution exists because it's about trying to get people to slow down on their consumption. Now, obviously, big companies, big brands, they don't want us to slow down at mm. all. They want yeah. that engine to keep going because they're used to driving, you know, huge amounts of profits and huge amounts of revenue. Yeah. Um, using a supply chain which is unsustainable with materials which are also unsustainable. Um, I know some of those companies that I'm that are in my mind and probably in yours are kind of moving to try and be more sustainable. Um, but it's not fast enough. It's not mm. quick enough. They're not doing enough to encourage their customers to slow down consumption. Uh, and, you know, if we were able to slow down consumption and people were able to agree with themselves that they don't need so much stuff, um, then we could get... And it's about there's a there's a famous quote isn't there by Vivian West which is buy buy less buy better or yes. you know, something around that that thing and it's about saying to yourself you know I don't need five tops yeah. this weekend for one night out to decide which one I need I just yeah. need look in, perhaps look in your wardrobe at what you already have and say you know that top I've only worn twice actually it's perfectly okay no one's going to care that I've worn it before except me. Is that is that is that any reason not to wear it, mm. or, or or dress it up, or change the way it looks, or wear it with a different belt, or you know, there's loads of stuff all over the internet to help us slow down, yeah. appreciate what we have already, and then when we do buy those pieces, you know, it's about looking for those natural fibres, maybe paying a little bit more than you would normally pay, but accepting that they're going to last longer, they're not going to damage the environment, and actually you're paying for the workmanship that somebody's put into that garment um, and perhaps they've been paid a fair wage as well. Mm. So you're helping support poverty, like, you know, bringing people out of poverty, mm. um, depending on where that garment's made as well. Or maybe it's a made in Britain, maybe it's a made in England and you're supporting English manufacturing. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so many touch points, isn't it? Um, and, but the key thing, like you mentioned in the beginning is transparency and all this, uh, uh, talk about that but the thing is well that's why it's no coincidence right there's no i mean obviously apart from the internet and social media but there's no coincidence that small more and more companies are coming up filling the gap of those big non-transparent uh, fashion brands right and because obviously if i put myself in their own shoes they all obviously it was just the old obviously business we need to every business this needs to make profit period we know that but the model of that in and the times that we're living right now we cannot think just about that it has to be about like you said because at the end of the day what, what what's the use of you just making money if the, it's going to be sustainable to live in the planet what are you going to do with all that money once what, you you're going to eat the money you you're going to drink the you. money yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy, you know. Because yeah, at some point, your business is not going to have a consumer to even... Eat. I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. Exactly. There's going yeah. to be, you know, you need to be looking at the end goal now and saying, okay, yeah. well, we need a, a business that's going to be here in 50 or 100 years mm -hmm. and that can, you know, sustain the demand of the planet, whatever that looks like at the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're running out of time, Ricardo, you know, and it, you're right, it's not going fast enough. Um, I think there's there's definitely a paradigm shift between the uh, uh, you know in amongst consumers now though because even though we yeah. are transparent as much as we possibly can on our website we don't hide anything mm -hmm. and if anyone sends me an email and says what about this where's this made what's this material I will I will absolutely be honest with them about what 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 where that comes from and how it's made and all of that but if somebody even now I still get questions from people saying I really like this product, but what about this? And what, what, what material is that? And how is that made? And where does that come from? And I love getting those emails because it means that more and more people are asking mm. those questions. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I, I couldn't, I can't say enough how every, every time we think about buying something, 
we search for the brand, we should always dig about where that's made. If it's cheap, if it's too cheap, there's a saying, isn't there? Buy cheap, pay twice, one. So you're going to pay it by by cheap products. It's not going to last very long and it's going to end up in landfill or going to a charity shop, you know, within within a few wares. Mm. Um, And and just think somebody else is paying, somewhere someone else is paying for that garment to be cheap. You know, it's it's not sustainable to keep producing really cheap garments from really cheap fabric. Yeah. The problem with that is because the the bar that they set, this, this fast company, fast fashion, it was really low and people think it's normal to be that. Yeah, actually, yes. it's not the true cost. It's actually not. That's the issue. People are not, um, obviously, like you said, fast uh, revolution and all that, but more reports are coming out actually saying, no, this is not the bar. This is not true. Because people that actually make the things back in whichever country they do, they're not really paid and treated properly when they're in their no, work environment. Right. So, yes, yes, And that's indeed. really sad. But, yeah. You know, if you look at um, the stats, I'm not sure how much stats you read or whether anybody would be reading the stats who's listening to this podcast. Or, But, um, you know, if you look at um, the new generations of consumers, like mm. Generation Z and Generation X, you know, those people are all looking looking more closely at every brand yeah and so if you as a brand whether you're a heritage brand a brand that's been around for 50 years if you're not making strides towards being more sustainable and more transparent about your supply chain then in my opinion you're being a little bit foolhardy because those new consumers which are going to represent 60 to 80 percent of the consumer market in the next five years they won't be coming in to be your customer Mm-hmm. So how do you start getting new customers if you're mm-hmm. if you're not willing to diversify and change and improve your processes? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's good for brands like ours because I think you know there's definitely a shift away from leather. Even in Japan, you know, sixty percent of people polled have said that they happily look for an alternative to leather now. Um, and that's so good. there's you know, it, and every market on the continent, you know, in the world is changing. There's yeah. more move towards plant-based diets, more shift towards total veganism um, and all those people are going to be looking um, much more harder at brands and their transparency and materials that they use. Totally, totally agree. I mean, that is it. That is the question that they have to, whoever is, has a a company or a brand or wants to start one, has to think about that, those, those shifts that are actually happening real time. And the, the, like you said, these generations are, because in the times that all this started, there used to be, and actually I read an article a while ago uh, regarding that uh, um, brand loyalty is dead. It's like it doesn't exist anymore. Meaning before it used to be, before the internet, obviously we had these massive posters, ads everywhere. They put a lot of money behind it and you don't see more. They just see those. The people that have the money is the is the one the bigger the ad is going to be that's what you what you see that's okay this is what exists yeah but now it's not like that anymore and actually because of all that but so obviously some of these companies still push this side and they want to still have the same thing but it's not meaning they the brand loyalty now is not just one brand or one company. It's the values that one or more companies have behind. That's where they are going. So they can have a snack on this brand, on that brand, on the other brands. And, and it's not about logo. Before it was like logo not, driven, wasn't exactly. it? So it's like if you're wearing the right logos, that's fine. Exactly. But now it's it's so, about so much more than just the logo now. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's about yeah. the, the integrity of the brand from the ground up. Um, and I was talking about that. I was talking about that just last week, actually, the integrity of brands, you know, and, and how it really is not just about even the materials that you use. It's, yeah. you know, about your whole supply chain and how focused you are on lowering your carbon footprint of where your materials come from. Yeah. And, um, you know, things like B Corp certification are all helping that process along mm-hmm. um, because to be B Corp certified now would be a, is, a, is an amazing thing to be. It means you've got your eye on all those balls. And it's yeah. accreditation to say, okay, well, you guys are doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and as you say, you know, and I, well, sorry, carry on, you know, even packaging, you know, the number of times I see complaints online through different brands that I'm browsing through where something's been delivered and there's too much plastic. 
you know, it's consumers don't want to receive plastic in the mm-hmm. post anymore. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, what, what it's like that, surely that should have been gone, you know, two years ago, you know, when the ban on plastic bags came in. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all those touch points. And for sure, they, if you, you, you it's like a new, it's like learning a new language, basically. It's like a learning a new language. Like companies, people behind companies, they need to learn a new language because if they don't speak the language of the new consumers, you're not even out of business. You like you don't even start a business. <laughs> Basically. Bang on. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about a bit how could you drive me through a little bit of your journey when you started the company and a bit of uh obstacles I'm sure you had <laughs> to <laughs> to start all that. Do you know what? We've been talking about materials most of this time. And actually the stumbling block I found was around materials. Because now, you know, don't forget, we're now three years, almost four years in the future as to when we sold our first product. And and at that time, there wasn't pineapple leather was really only just sort of beginning to kind of raise its head. You know, um, apple leather sort of existed you know it was like there were these there were the emergence of these materials but they weren't available in the mainstream at all mm-hmm. um and so i probably had and i'm not kidding when i say i probably requested something like you know 40 or 50 different samples of synthetic materials that could you know could be mar- marginally you know available for us to, to use and it wasn't until we got those and I took a trip to our factory with this box of material samples that mm. we then tested them. Um, we, we heat stamped them. We, we, we made the edges thinner to try and turn and stitch them. Um, we looked at, you know, how stretchy they were, whether we could turn corners, you know, all these, all these different um, qualities that we needed the material to have. Because ultimately, my goal was to produce something that would encourage more men at the time to shop sustainably. Now, you know, men are still regarded as the hardest segment of the of the, of the consumer market to go green. You know, they're very stuck in their ways. They like their brands. They like going to the same shop to buy the things that they know fit them. You know, they're not heavily into shopping. And so, um, you know, although there will be some people that make more, more ethical decisions, there's still a kind of, um, you know, hesitancy for men to get on board with shopping differently and so from my perspective it was about finding materials that could deliver a a, a leather a leather looking product that was Mm. as good a quality and felt the same because ultimately a man wants to carry a good wallet but he doesn't want to look so dramatically different from his friends you know or he doesn't want to go so far away from something he's used to carrying so if you're a leather wallet man person and you've always carried a leather wallet but you what you want to move away from leather to buy something more sustainable and ethical but you like something that looks nice looks classic and 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 you're kind of familiar with and so we didn't want to move to a material that didn't have the look and feel of leather or that didn't behave the same way and that was the stumbling block and it took about seven months to find the material we now use Mm. and so um which is a corn leather um and it's um i've got something here but here back to front of course but um this it means that um on this material so we can heat stamp it and we're heat stamping because we don't want to use gold and silver foil gold and silver foil for heat stamping comes on a roll of plastic non it's not it's single use plastic yes um when you're heat stamping you 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 would heat press, let's say, the wolf's head out of gold or silver. What you don't heat stamp gets thrown away. So it's an incredibly wasteful process. Mm. So for me, it was like, well, we don't want to have any wasteful processes that are unnecessary. So we'll opt for embossing as much as we possibly can. Um, so yeah, so I mean, that was a that was one of our our stumbling blocks was finding the right material and and actually a lot of the materials even now that are on the market like cactus leather um apple leather pineapple leather some of there are still restrictions to how the application of those materials can be used and how they go across a collection if you're trying to build a classic collection of small accessories things like that so for example often we will use 
um, a corn leather to do pockets rather than you know, and use a different material on the outside. So we've got, let's say, a handbag, which uses one material outside, but then we use the trimming on the inside of a different material just so we can mm-hmm. achieve those same mm. um, same look and feel with, with the right craftsmanship and the right finish. So, yeah, materials was a definite stumbling block at the beginning. I didn't yeah. think it was ever going to find the right material that didn't squeak, yeah. wasn't too stretchy, you know. <laughs> So what, like, what, could, what am I trying to do? Maybe what I'm trying to do is impossible. I kept saying to my yeah. husband, I said, maybe what I'm looking for doesn't exist, you know? Mm. And then it arrives. And I was like, hurrah, hallelujah, it arrives. Exactly. It yeah. does exist. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the timing, isn't it? And what kind of obstacles you mentioned uh, that are regarding those materials then? Well, things like, um, so with pineapple leather, for example, um, it's, it's not as... Um, Uh, bendy and pliable yeah the the surface of the material for something that goes in and out of your pocket all the time and is constantly being rubbed isn't ideal for for a wallet for a handbag possibly you know Mm. i agree it's probably okay um things like um cactus leather for example the material itself is too thick has a woven backing which you can't thin on a machine so you can't thin the edge of the material and then fold and stitch it So again, it's great for handbags, but for small leather goods like wallets and card holders, it's really not um, not good at the moment. Mm. And and lots of them have those same those same. It really comes down to the backing and how you can you know how you can make the material thinner for certain applications because otherwise you end up with a really bulky product, and that's not what we what we want. Yeah. Oh. Okay. You see, there's always something because so this is a work in progress. You know, so many materials obviously coming up because this is quite recent uh and based on on fruits and everything um and obviously there's always some obstacles and some people as we speak trying to find out better ways to implement them into yeah. this case accessories and clothes isn't it it's always uh, this process going on Yeah, and you know, obviously, for different different um, when we're talking about accessories, especially, you know, the thickness of material that you would use to make a bag is is thicker than you would to make a wallet, and that's the same with um, with animal leather, which is why animal leather you might get, you know, a piece of skin, and then they might make it, they skive it, so they get many many different layers from that um, mm. material. You mm. wouldn't. There are very few people that use the the skin as it arrives from an animal mm. um because it's just too thick and yeah. so there's the process whereby it's thinned many times and and those different layers are used for different different applications mm. going to the uh, because obviously when you did that transition how was your approach to and how do you find your voice and the communication of the now this brand because you obviously came from the other the other side how did you find that voice Do you know what, Ricardo, that was the easiest part of it all, to be honest, because I was before, when I was starting a leather goods company, I thought, well, I've done this all before, you know, it's still so familiar. And then when I decided it wasn't, when it wasn't really, I didn't really feel it in my heart. When I when I was developing Watson and Wolf and this new approach, I the passion I had for it was just so natural because I believed in it. You know, I believed that we should be doing something more ethical, believed we should be doing something more sustainable. I believe we should have been looking for materials that had a lower impact on our environment, but delivered a quality product. I still believe in all those things. So creating the, the voice behind Watson Wolf in comparison was easy because I just think this is all of this is like a no brainer for the future of our planet. And this is what we should all be doing. Yeah. You know, um, every new brand should be looking at these innovative materials because, you know, they are developing all the time. They are getting better all the time. Um, and um, we will get to a point, I truly believe that, where the materials available in the, in and, and I say vegan because, you know, people understand that, but in the non-animal based component materials, innovative materials using plant content, will there will be a point where those materials are all entirely 100% plant based without any petroleum or water-based polyurethane Um, there will be hopefully no PVC ever mm. produced on the planet for the use of fashion at all, uh, and we sh- and it and it will be cleaner and um, and 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 with zero reliance on animals at all. I think it will become a medieval thought 
that we would even have skin of an yeah. animal on our skin, you know, a bit like we feel about fur, the majority yeah. of the population anyway. Um, and also that's that's kind of how it's going with the car industry. You know, they're adopting vegan materials for car interiors and, you know, they're, everyone's thinking, everyone is waking up to the fact that leather is not a sustainable product uh, and offering alternatives to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and hey, hey, cheers to that because yes, that's really... Yes, hurrah to that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because awesome. yeah. Me too. I mean, uh, and more and more, like you said, finally, um, like mushroom is another one. I mean, it's so many things going on right now. And they can find... You know, they can make silk from... Um, they can make silk from um, orange waste, from orange peels. Really? From the orange yeah and it's beautiful feels beautiful yeah it's, wow. but i mean we wouldn't use we have no need for that but anyone who uses um a thin silk oh you know or um that sort of material mm. would um yeah that's that's available there's i mean there's so much there's a there's a every year there's um uh a conference in london called the future fabrics exhibition yes, and um there you see lot have you been no, I haven't, but I'll, I will always... Oh, you should go. Almost, yeah, almost there once last year. No, not last year, obviously. Uh, two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I was almost in there to get there, but then I, I couldn't manage. But yes, they... It's a really amazing, insightful world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, recycled rubber from tires, recycled rubber from all sorts of different things, making soles of shoes, you know, leaves, big leaves being made into a material which can make shoes, you know, like... You know, the innovations that are happening in, in the space is incredible. Uh, and so you can really understand how it's not absolutely necessary for it. Uh, you know, there's got to be a, you know, lots of these brands aren't, aren't ready for mass production that are making these innovative materials. And they need to get to that point where they can. And of course, we've got to be conscious as well, because what we don't want to be doing is wasting food products just to provide a material. Yeah, get into the so, same into the same thing, a way of doing yeah, things. Like, otherwise yeah, otherwise you're going to be ending, down the same rabbit hole of exactly. saying, okay, well, we're all these mangoes, which cost a huge amount of money to, 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 to grow with water and all of that stuff mm -hmm. and harvest and ship across the world. And, and, now we're, and now we're wasting them, you know, just to make material. Mm. And that doesn't make any sense either. So they're, 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 we obviously have to understand that there's going to be a constraint to the amount of material that some of these companies can make just because of the, the you know the raw material um, that's being used to make them, uh, and and you know and that that should not be a bad thing. We shouldn't say, well, we just don't have enough mangoes. That's not good. Well, it is good. It means we're using up all the waste. We're we're turning it into something great, and there just has to be a limit. So, you know, we just have to accept that we may not be able to get that material if we're yeah. not fast enough, or we don't get into the into the production of the next. Um, you know, however many hundred yards they can do or whatever, yeah. you know. And that is one issue regarding the, uh, what's your, th uh, I mean, what's your opinion on, um, as a brand to educate the consumer? Because that's one habit change that the consumer needs to have regarding the buy, buy, buy things, you know, all the time. Because that has an impact, direct impact, like you just said, is, we cannot go again into the same way of doing more fruits. Let's go take it out and be more because they are asking for it. So what's your... Yeah, There's, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because at the moment, if you look at, if you compare um, the innovative material space to what we currently demand for leather, that's an indication, isn't it, of the, the of the demand. So currently about 1.4 billion animals are killed every year for their skin. I mean, so it's a huge number. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's and that's not just cows or, you mm -hmm. know, sheep or pigs. That's can be you know, anything. crocodiles. Yeah, anything can be anything. And, and there are so many other animals used for leather than than just those the ones that we think are, are used. Yes. Um, and so if you if you were then to say, well, look, let's say, let's say all those people were to change their minds and opt for a plant-based material, pretty soon that market's going to become unsustainable too. Exactly. Um, what do we do? A bit like palm oil, you know, we've got some vast swathes of the of, of jungle being yeah. not being, you know, deforestation because of palm oil. What do we do? The same for mangoes, the same for corn to make corn leather. The answer exactly. is no. I mean, no. we should be 
saying there's a cap on the on the amount of production, but again, it comes back to money, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It comes mm-hmm. back to the money that's being driven, um, and for those those companies to become successful, and you know that that's capitalism, and we we're not, you know, it's really hard to, to kind of. I don't know. There, there probably isn't an answer to no. that because we, I hope we never get to that point where we start, when we move away from animals, we're we're reusing the land in a good way again, mm-hmm. and then suddenly, you know, we the demand for these innovative materials goes up, and suddenly there becomes, you know, another demand for land to grow mm-hmm. the raw material, plant place, you know, the plant based material. So we just need to be a bit careful, don't we? Yeah. I mean that's uh, that's again it's the education of the it's not only it's not only uh, about consumers I mean normal people everyday like buy any product it's about uh, the shareholders <laughs> in the big top companies that just want they get used to their you know profit and to think in a different way. Like how much money more do you need? <laughs> uh, well, you year? see, that's that's where there's a there's a contentious thing here because um, I'm vegan, but um, there's obviously lab grown materials yeah. now yeah. evolving, mm-hmm. a bit like lab grown meat. You know, mm-hmm. the cells of a cow or an animal being taken and yep. then growing meat in a lab, and there's no cow. Those first cells are yeah. the only cells that are required for that process to be replicated over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're now doing the same with lab-grown leather. Mm-hmm. So those cells of, of an animal skin are being replicated to produce a material which is exactly like leather. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that avoids land. It avoids the need for plant content. It avoids so many different um, issues within the leather industry. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't require, you know, and it can, can be replicated over and over and over again. So it's 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 like, well, I don't necessarily want to wear lab-grown leather at all or use it um, mm-hmm. because it still ultimately has come from an animal, but there will be a proportion of people that don't necessarily want to buy a vegan product or something that's grown with plants, but love leather, um, but just want to buy a leather product which hasn't come from you know, a tannery which has caused unimaginable cruelty to animals or mm. pollution or harm to human people. And, and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to, to be gained from having those materials in the market for a certain proportion of the population of the consumer market. Yeah. yeah, I think because it takes all that other stuff away. I mean, presuming they don't run through a tanning process, which is as damaging as the one we've got now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be, I don't know whether it can be manufactured to be a certain color or a certain however they do that but if we if we can avoid the pollution and the heavy metal pollutions and you know there's a i don't know if you recorded there's like 250 plus chemicals used in the tanning process of leather i mean it's, 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 it's ridiculous and, and it's like cyanide and formaldehyde yeah. and i mean it's just it, the, the whole and thing we is use, just a, and we're using all that putting that in our skin that absorbs everything yeah you know, we one of the issues is uh, you mentioned that cell-based, which, in my opinion, it's it's not. I mean, for me, I mean, it's uh, in terms of food. First of all, not for me. I mean, whoever wants to try that for good. I mean, for me, that's not plant-based. It's cell-based. That's why it has a different name. Yeah. And for me, the body only recognizes food coming from one place only. The body is built for that. And recognizes that only. That's it. The rest, I mean, they can play around with the labs and trying to do things. But anyway, uh, but the, the, the skin absorbs. I'm in your camp on that, by the way. I'm in your camp on that. It's not plant based to me. But yeah. there is. But if, we, if, we, if we're talking about saving the world and environmental mm. impact, cell based meat is one way to wean the population off animal products that require rearing and water. And all of those, all of those things that are causing a problem, deforestation, growing soy, all those things um, are um, required to, to in the current meat industry is kind of that cell-based meat would eliminate that. So people could still have meat. Um, I, I believe it can be grown with less cholesterol and all of those things. So it's a it's a healthier option than than um you know than a than a cow in a field um, or in a you know in a barn or whatever. And um, 
So I think there's there's definitely a, 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 a you know I'm not 100 behind it, but I I kind of can see why there's a need for it. Yeah, I, I can see that as well. I mean, there's one issue, but when you create something from that it's not natural in the planet, and then you're going to create some some other kind of issue. And I'm talking about just if it's a cell base, you know, cells have energy, like everything else, everything that exists is energy. So you're going to consume something that has some kind of energy that is not. Anyways, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're, in, we're in a transitional pre- period. I do yes, understand. Yes, we are. Yeah. I do understand yeah. that. And I do understand there's hundreds of years of of, of we all doing this thing and, and people buying, people selling and all that. So I know we are in the in the midst of of trying to figure things out and still trying to keep some things alive in a way or, you know, the rules of the game. But yes, I mean, that's why we're here. I you know anyway, trying to find out um, all these, all these answers. And then, then obviously more questions are going to show up anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think it's inevitable, isn't it? On, yeah. you know, whenever anything has been pioneered or changed or anything you know and also coming back to something we mentioned just before we began is is you know when anything ever new comes on board um people are like really no i mean we're going to be downloading music from spotify and from online we won't be buying records or cds or videos and there was a really great um um i don't know if you watch plant ceo the podcast on plant ceo but there was a a really great interview there with um um the founder of just and um he was, he was like, you know, he, that was the analogy he gave, you know, people couldn't imagine not going into an HMV and buying a record or a CD, but instead yeah. downloading all yeah. their music from online. And that was inconceivable, you know, that they might drive an electric car or whatever. Now that's normal, you know? And so what we hope is that plant-based food will become normal, mm-hmm. not buying animal leather will just become normal. And people will look back and go, we used to wear what? We used to wear animal skin. Some uh, the, the living, the skin of a living thing, a mm. bit like fur. You know, it will just become. Hopefully, it will just become the norm in the next 10, 15 years, and we can kind of kiss goodbye to all of that pollution. And and that's what we need to do quickly. Yeah, hopefully, yes. One uh, area that I'd like to touch before we move on is. Um, how would you then, when you created that brand, what was your message for you to, uh, to the world, obviously, uh, would to create, to give, uh, to the world when you created the brand? It was really about saying you can have something you love that looks like something you already own and you can replace it with something that's just as good, that lasts just as long but is infinitely lower impact on our planet. Um, and that that's ultimately what we're trying to do here is to say, you know, make a more sustainable choice. Uh, and um, and you can still have something. And we still get people, who, we, we know we get people buying from us who aren't vegan, who are just looking for something better. And, and, you know, the reviews are fantastic. Like this is the first product I've got, I've bought that isn't leather and I'm really impressed or I love it. And I didn't know vegan products could be this good. And, we obviously we're, we're incredibly lucky that we've got consistent five stars throughout our collection, and there's a reason for that. You know, we've we've worked really hard to make it, um, you know, not just obtainable at a good price point, but that looks and feels genuinely brilliant. You know, so that's um, you can't build a brand with a product and say, okay, here it is, it's vegan. Da 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 da. You know, it's got to be, it's got to give someone the wow factor and it's got to deliver on all the things that you're promising to deliver on. And so there was never any doubt that we, when we, when we launched, we had to deliver something that wasn't available already. And when mm. we launched, there was nothing available like we do, like we do now. Mm. Um, and there's some new brands coming on board, but um, you know, we've got probably one of the most extensive ranges of vegan, sustainable, ethically made wallets for men, probably on, on the market at the moment. Mm. That's what it is, isn't it? The uh, to have the vision and and the will to to move it forward, and with that with that aspect, really. Yeah, um, even with the doubters, you know, there were doubters at the beginning, Ricardo, saying, you know, I was I was, I was like, well, no one's doing this, no one's making wallets like this. I said to people, you know, no one's doing it. Mm. Um, so we should do it. And people were like, maybe people don't want it. You know, maybe there's maybe there's no market for it. Mm. It's like that's. 
bonkers. Of course there is. You know, there are people going vegan all the time. There are people yeah. opt- opting for a plant-based diet all the time. Why would you have a leather wallet one day, change it, and then why would you why would you buy something made from fabric instead, yeah. you know, or a Velcro wallet? You know, you're going to want to continue to carry something that's nice. And so, you know, to everybody out there who wants to start a business who um, have got doubters, but you're convinced your idea is a good one. Don't waver, you know, just keep going because if it's, if it, if there is a genuinely good message behind it and it's got, you know, good credibility. And as you, you know, we talked about earlier with the integrity of the brand and you've looked at all of those things, then just go for it. Mm. What's the worst that can happen? You know, prove the doubt is wrong. Exactly. Uh, going on a personal moral level is how do you as a person show uh, snippet of snippets of your of your day when what you start what time usually do you start in the morning what's your like routine or habits that you have and uh, like you you know uh, go for exercise read a book meditate or yoga or these kind of things could you show us a little bit tell us a little bit about it well, I, I I tend to walk to the school run every day. So I get a little bit of exercise first thing morning, which is a good wake up. And then on the way back, I get to really think about what my day is going to be like, what I'm going to try and achieve in the day. Uh, then I get to my desk. Um, I go through emails, look at my to-do list. I keep a quite an extensive to-do list. And um, and I work through my day's, my day's things. I mean, obviously, it depends on the time of year, Ricardo. So sometimes when I'm more focused on making sure we've got orders for production in. Obviously, we're heading towards um, gift-giving season now. So we have to, one of my priorities is making sure we have the right stock mix at, at the right time, in time for, um, for Christmas gifting and things like that. And then other times in the year, it might be, you know, we've got, we're juggling lots of different projects. We're rebuilding a website at the moment. So there's that, there's that project underlying as well. Um, I obviously manage um, a team of individuals who are all specialized in different areas of the, t- of, the, of, the, of the business at the moment. So it's catching up on those projects and seeing where we are. And then in between that and, um, you know, and being a, a working mother, I like to cycle and I like hiking. Yesterday I went for a lovely long walk with a friend of mine. And um, yeah, I like doing yoga occasionally. I don't do as much yoga as I'd like. I prefer to be out on my bike when the weather's when the weather's nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, reading, I used to do a lot of reading. I don't do a lot of reading now, apart from if it's for work. So, mm. I, you know, I don't get novels out so much, but, you know, I might be listening to podcasts or reading articles online. And it's really hard to get away from technology. Right. It's, yeah. I find that the hardest thing about escaping from technology. And I suppose riding my bike and hiking with my friends is kind of a really good way of escaping technology um and i think for business owners these days who where we rely so much on social media and being online because that's where our businesses are yeah. um being in front of computers you know leaving being able to switch off from all that is so important because it just gives you when you do come back it just gives you some clarity on where what your direction is and where you're going and you've had the, the such a, a you know much needed break from it yes indeed so, I agree. totally agree so okay so which books that you remember like three books that you remember that made an impact either on personal or professional level then um oh gosh okay so um <laughs> it's not a very it's not a very um uplifting book but the kite runner um okay. is a, an amazing book um probably um gosh do you remember the author oh that's I don't. It's Khalid something, I think. Okay, the kite runner. Um, okay, we'll, we'll yeah, the kite runner. Mm-hmm. It's um yeah, that's a really exceptional book. Uh, gosh, three books that I remember memorable. Caught me off thing with that one, Ricardo. Um, yeah. There's yeah, there's probably oh, there's probably a half a dozen that probably probably made the impact. I would say not just you know it's not also about. Um, the sto- you know, it's. I think the most thing about reading I prefer is the fact you you are setting aside time. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to love Dean Koontz books, for example. So I, there's probably you know ten of those I would read one a week easily when I used to take the bus a lot and yeah. um, or the train. You know, you mm-hmm. read on the train. And um, 
so I like fiction. I like detective no- novels and things like okay. that. I like, you know, the who's done it and the detective things. And so mm-hmm. there's um, Patricia Cornwell. I really like the, yeah. you know, her books. And uh, yeah, there's. So if I'm watching movies or something, it t- tends to be a who done it or a drama of some sort. You know. Okay. Good, good. Okay, so um, to finish. I mean, I think we you touched on before, but usually I, I'm, I'm asking this question at the end, which is if you had a gigantic, massive outdoor uh, ads ad advertisements, um, if you could put a message in there, uh, it could be yours or could be from someone uh, from someone else. What would you put in there? It would probably be one word. Actually, it's two, isn't it? Be kind. I'd just say be kind. I think there's not enough kindness in the world. I think there's too much scrutiny based around judging people by what they look or the actions they take or their beliefs and things like that. And I think, you know, we're all entitled to be different, to look different. The world would be really, really boring if we were all the same and we had the same opinions, wouldn't it? but I think, you know, one of the things I'm trying to teach my kids is, you know, just be kind. You know, it doesn't take any, any, it doesn't take extra, it takes extra energy to actually be um, unkind to someone or to hurt someone in some way. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say, you know, be kind. We just need to be kinder to animals, kinder to people, more thoughtful that other people are going through stuff that we may not know or understand that they may not be willing to share. And to be kind, even to someone in the street as you're passing them you know, smiling or we just don't do that enough. True. It's the, that village feeling, isn't it? We are in the big cities. I mean, whoever lives in big cities and people are just, you know, sometimes we need that more more often. Oh, and don't drop litter. That would be Don't drop litter, anyone. Pick your litter up. Yes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's another one. That's a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. Especially it's a much bigger problem, that one. Yeah, being mm. kind. Of just being, you know, if we just yeah, if we just have that in our mind all the time, that would be good. Helen, thank you very much. It was a real pleasure talking with you and learning more about yourself and the company and your values and the transparency and all that. People can take lots of uh, insights from listening to this conversation and um, I'm sure I mean if you have any kind of if you're in a business if you want to start a business uh, and have any doubts like you said it just thrive forward and go for it we always here to learn anyway on the go so there's lots of things on the internet these days and where we can learn and and then at the end of the day it's you have to do it it's all evolving even yeah. a business evolves you know a business you know 10 years ago or 20 years ago well, it won't look like it looks like now I mean it would be a completely different look and feel of, of what they do and so I think that's just it we're evolving as people the planet needs to evolve we all need to evolve and we need to just keep evolving yes thank Thanks, you very much Ricardo. pleasure take care see you mm-hmm.